0: First purchase is the hardest, but once you start your real estate investing journey, you'll never regret it.
1: Welcome to the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. My name is Kerwin Donis. My brothers and I got into real estate investing to achieve financial freedom and help underserved communities in Guatemala, where our mom is from. Real estate is the vehicle we're taking to achieve our goals. And you can too. On this show, we share the stories of some of the most successful real estate investors to show you that you can succeed in real estate just like they have. Each episode, we deliver inspiring and educational content that will empower you to launch your real estate investing career and achieve your financial goals. Let's go. Jeffrey Love is a partner at Gibbs Giddon Attorneys at Law. His practice encompasses all facets of real estate transactions, including drafting and negotiating purchase, sale, syndication, and financing transactions in connections with commercial, industrial, and residential assets. He also regularly drafts and negotiates office, retail, and industrial leases for regional landlords and residents throughout the West coast. Jeffrey's interest in real estate began at an early age. He went to law school and eventually learned that he wanted to work on the legal side of the business.
0: I always wanted to get into real estate. I just, I liked, You know, if you would go way back, apparently I was into building blocks and like building things. Um, I don't know if that's exactly what led to real estate, but if you ask my parents, that's that's where it started. But I, you know, went to law school really to learn about contracts and law, but with the intention that I was going to go out and maybe be a real estate developer and just kind of understood what was going on. So that was my intention and. Somewhere after graduating law school and, you know, working as an attorney for a couple real estate developers, I realized that I liked the legal side of it more, maybe behind the scenes, being able to help different type of investors, different types of developers at different stages of their company's life cycle with different types of projects. So I really got to have my hands on a lot of different things than if I was at the forefront. And I just kind of enjoyed advising people and seeing their success, whether it was just investing in real estate or actually developing projects ground up. And that's where I am today.
1: Not only is Jeffrey a real estate attorney, but he's also an investor. For him, the first deal was his hardest and scariest.
0: The first one is the hardest. And it was not just for investing, but even buying you know our first home it's taking that first plunge it's it's a it's a very big investment it's it was kind of scary it's not having done it before even advising clients you know on deals you know, many multiples is, is big in terms of finances You're know, doing it yourself is, is taking a jump so you know my wife and i we both wanted to invest in real estate and we found our first property that we thought it was a good fit and a, a good long-term hold for us that we might keep for our our kids one day. It was in a neighborhood where close to where we live. So we knew the market, we knew what things rented for. Um, So we bought our first fourplex um, based on those factors and still have it today.
1: We've discussed the LA market in the past. It has a reputation for not being a great place to invest in real estate. However, investors like Jeffrey are able to find suitable properties that make great investments.
0: I think the first thing I learned is, is invest in areas that, you know, and there's nothing, you know, more than the place that you live. You know, we used to be renters here. We know what type of property tenants we're looking for. we know what things are renting for it's close by. So even, you know, if we were going to have someone manage it, we were able to check on things ourselves. So all of those that were factors that led to doing something local, and there's no getting around that they are lower cap rates than other states. And it's not as much of a cash flow investment as it is a long term appreciation, which you'll hear many investors say, you know, that's not the right way to do things. But it's just a different type of investment. And for us, you know, it is something that we're not relying on the cash flow as much, where we are banking over time that this area does appreciate and we know it well. Um, And it's something that we're going to have as kind of a generational asset leaving to our children. So for those reasons, this particular one made sense for us rather than going to another state or even going inland where you trade some of that potential appreciation for cash flow.
1: Regarding his investment philosophy, Jeffrey intends to hold his assets long term. This strategy allows him to mitigate the impacts of any economic changes that occur in the near future.
0: That's one of the main reasons. It's it's not an asset that we look to sell anytime soon. And if we did, it would be to you know trade up to maybe a, a bigger, a bigger complex. So we're not as concerned about the up and down cycles. We don't have investors we're answering to and offering returns that we have to weather through. It's not a five or a seven year hold in terms of how long we're going to own the property. And it could be it could be thirty years. Um, It's something that we're able to get into and even start, you know, kind of estate planning and being able to give portions of it to our our kids over the years. So eventually it'll be something that they will inherit. And it'll be at that point in time, it's a much more appreciated asset, able to get a different type of debt on it because it's a four unit property. You're in a residential loan. So it's a, you know, 30 year fixed at rates that are lowest in, in recent memory so adding all these things together it it does make sense now i could have taken that same investment and went to another city like i said more inland and maybe achieved a better cash flow um but i might trade some of that appreciation there are only so many properties like this you know it is probably 200 yards from the water um so you're it's, it's a trade-off and each, each investor may have different strategies, but you have to work for what works for you and what you know and understand.
1: By structuring his investments in an efficient way, Jeffrey's able to build wealth for his family without creating a new job for himself. The properties he invests in attracts certain residents, and he's able to maximize profitability as a result.
0: Part of it is the, the, just the nature of this property and the properties that we look at. It's certain types of tenants, that are able to, you know, maintain things. It's the quality of the building and the condition. So you're not ha- the number of tenants. So you're not having, you know, 50 tenants call you. Certainly if I had a much bigger building or buildings, you know, you might have more of a property manager help manage it. But for this, for our very first property, we were able to manage it ourselves and cut down on some of the cost just because it wasn't, there isn't much turnover. There isn't that many things that go wrong. And we have a good team in place of various vendors, you know, plumbers, electricians, you know, contractors that can come and fix things. So it's a simple call away. And it still is a business. You know, it's still something you need to devote attention to, whether it's the property management side or the investment side, making sure everything is you know, going according to plan. But it's it's an amount of time that. I'm able to devote to it, um, which I don't have much of being an attorney. You know, you don't have a lot of free time and time is, is money. There's a billable hour. So, I'm, but I'm able to you know, still do this because of the asset that we picked.
1: Multifamily is a stronger asset class compared to other investment options. For Jeffrey, multifamily is so strong because demand is high and doesn't appear to be changing anytime soon.
0: It works for, you know, for me, I, I like multifamily because I think people always need a place to live and especially in California, when we have such a, a housing supply crisis, there's only a certain amount of housing that's being built. Single family homes, you know, your typical um, one property on a lot is very, very expensive and this in other markets and out of the reach of many and, you know, them a place to live so if they can't afford that then you're looking towards kind of multifamily housing there are other asset classes you know industrial is is a, is a very big one it's very strong right now especially where we are in our economy but multifamily is a little bit easier to get into because depending on the unit count you could get a residential loan you're not making that jump all the way to commercial and it's a lot more familiar to many people than buying a a shopping center or an office building or a big industrial complex, a hotel, you know, those involve different types of work, different types of knowledge, and they're all good. You know, I wouldn't knock one asset class, but I think they all have their pros and cons. But for me, I, I like multifamily because of that need, because of the familiarity and because it's, it's a little bit easier to get into and understand, you know, everyone's, Not everyone, but majority of people have been a renter at one time or another. So you kind of understand what it's involved from the tenant side and the landlord side.
1: As an attorney, Jeffrey works with a variety of real estate investors. He's passionate about helping them navigate the legal side of the business and provides invaluable guidance to his clients.
0: So I I have clients and have clients from the very first investment that they're making in real estate. Uh, to Fortune 50 companies that are bringing on funds and and much more sophisticated deals to to their investors, development companies, construction companies. And we help clients with whatever their legal needs are within real estate. So a first time investor, they may be investing with a real estate syndicator for the first time, and they don't understand the process. They wanna make sure that the documents they're being asked to sign say what they've been told. They may just want a second set of eyes to make sure that you know there aren't any red flags to protect their investment. And we may represent the other side. We may represent that syndicator and putting together those syndication documents, helping them buy the property, looking at the purchase agreement and the due diligence from an environmental standpoint, looking at existing leases, really being part of that team with those investors or sponsors and syndicators to making sure that they understand what, really what they're buying and add that legal expertise on top of their business knowledge.
1: Jeffrey has referred to himself as a dirt attorney. For him, it's a phrase, but it also encompasses the multitude of services he offers.
0: It's just kind of a, a funny phrase. Uh, you know, people think, you know, dirt, what is, is he? That do something with dirt um you know or is it like i've gotten before is it is it, is it hollywood do you deal with in our know, entertainment and gossip i use it more you know we help clients really anything to do with dirt there are a couple exceptions that we you know we're, we're not expertise or have experience in but really i've helped clients all the way from you know, negotiating LOI to buy a property and the due diligence in there constructing an actual building dealing with loan documents dealing with the con- con- contractor through leasing the building the lifespan of the project all the way through sale so really anything to do with dirt you know whether it's construction buying it leasing it financing it syndicating um, it's just really a term to encompass you know we're dirt all real estate improvements are built ultimately on you know different foundations obviously different substances but but dirt so it just kind of gets, you know, a good way to explain to to clients and, um, you know, potential partners what we do and what we have experience in.
1: In his line of work, Jeffrey deals with many different kinds of issues. A common one for him is helping investors make educated decisions before they sign an agreement or contract, especially if they're signing with their actual name.
0: A lot of times when you're starting out, you know, it doesn't make sense to create an entity or you know it's something another thing that's unfamiliar so you may you know, you may buy your first building in your own name you may buy a small duplex or apartment building and there's nothing wrong with that but as an attorney i like to advise clients you know be wary of your risk and what you're exposed to you know, you you buy a small apartment building and a tenant has a party and someone falls and gets hurt well, they're not maybe just gonna sue the tenant but they're gonna sue the person with the investment and the money. So they're gonna come after you as the owner. And if it's in your own name, you could be personally liable for those damages. And it's not just your building at stake, but it could be your house, it could be investment accounts, it could be cars, money, cash, bank accounts. So one of the reasons why investors may think about putting a real estate asset, whether it's apartment building or something else, into a limited liability entity whether that's a limited partnership, an LLC, is to protect that. Now you can protect with other ways, such as insurance, which I always recommend clients have adequate insurance and you get a great insurance broker as part of your team, you know, along with your accountant, lawyer, that's that's really important. But there are always exceptions to insurance. There are limits. You know, you may have a million dollar policy and if someone is seriously injured, it maybe it exceeds that. So by creating an entity, it helps you mitigate some of that exposure. And I've talked to clients before who think, well, let me sign the purchase agreement in my name and I'll I'll create this entity before I actually buy the property. But what happens is now that you've signed in your own name, you're personally responsible for anything under that purchase agreement. So if there's a big liability, it's you personally. Even if you were to buy the property in a company, your name's on that. So while well, it's not the end of the world, you know, it's not a, a huge deal since many of the liabilities come later, it's always something to think about because even when typically when you assign an agreement, a contract from one party to another, that first party is not always released. So I just like to make sure that clients and especially new investors are aware of that. Once they sign, you know, that, that party or whether it's you or that company is on the hook, even if you subsequently assign it to someone else.
1: Jeffrey encourages his clients and newer investors to start having warm conversations before they actually have a deal for them to invest in without soliciting investments.
0: So you do want to be careful when you go out to people to invest. You don't want any hard commitments. You don't want to take money from people because then you could be soliciting an investment without complying with the various securities laws. But it doesn't hurt to have, you know, warm conversations and, you know, I'm gonna be investing in this property or I'm thinking about this project. If I found something or you know, what are your investment criteria? Would that be something you'd be interested in investing in? And the reason you wanna kind of get that feel for your capital sources early is once you lock up a property, you have a limited due diligence period and you may not be able to go to all of these investors or raise the capital. And while most of the time you may have a due diligence period, which lets you get a free look at the property and back out and get your deposit back. You may have incurred costs. You may have have vendors. You may have legal costs. You may have uh, you may have done environmental work or a survey or just your own man hours. And you don't want to incur that, not being able to raise your capital and get the deal done, or worse, you run up against a deadline that says, you know, I either have to waive contingencies and my deposit is at risk or i have to back out of the deal and i lose everything i've spent to date so you're you're in between that rock and a hard place so to speak but by having these conversations earlier and really making sure that you have all your due diligence you have everything lined out you really pay attention to the timing you're able to avoid this one of the things you can try to do is you know see if there's a built-in extension you can get on a purchase a lot of times you can't and there's no problem with that, but sometimes a seller might be willing to give you an extension if you are doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. And you may be able to get that up front in the agreement or make a you know a second deposit to buy more time. And all of these things just help you make sure that you're able to get everything you need to get done within the time frame that you have allocated for that due diligence period for the purchase.
1: In the past, Jeffrey has encouraged his clients to be mindful of certain things before signing a sale and purchase agreement for a property. There are multiple things investors need to look out for, especially in the verbiage of the agreement itself.
0: You definitely want a good understanding of it, and I had
1: too many clients that
0: you know never read them or rely on a broker or you know just think it's a, it's a piece of paper. But it does outline your rights and obligations. So one of the things we just talked about is timing making sure you actually look at it and make sure that the timing you have for any due diligence or contingency period is enough. And that the time period for the entire transaction from start to closing is enough for any debt that you might have. You wanna look, especially from the buying side, you know, what representations is the seller giving you? Uh, Those are things like the seller's not aware of any environmental issues. You can do your own due diligence, but there may be something that you don't un- uncover. Those representations are your one chance to know what the seller knows. They may give you their documents, but not everything's in writing. You know, Did the, did the seller enter into a, a five-year lease with a tenant and it was a you know, supposed oral agreement or raised rent and it's not in contract? You want to use those to be able to get that information. Um, so representations from a buyer are really key. You want to look at, any limitations of the seller's liability, you know, after you close and they breach a representation, is there a cap on what you could pursue them for? Um, or is it is it unlimited? Um, there, there's so many areas, but you know, another important one is, and this one is you know, always overlooked, is what does the notice section say? And when you have to give notices, if you're backing out of a deal or you're moving forward, can that be email or does that have to be certified mail can't be through FedEx and when's that effective a lot of times you may come right up to the wire on a contingency period and think you can just email the notice to back out of the deal but it had to be sent through mail and it's not effective for two days so now you've blown your deadline so really making sure that you're just aware of you know notice which goes back to, to, to timing um, it is important thing to, to spend the time to look at.
1: In his experience, there have been some common mistakes newer investors have made when buying properties. Jeffrey cautions investors to conduct extensive due diligence before they commit to buying a property, because failing to do so could be costly.
0: Not doing enough, just a full due diligence. So, you know, maybe looking at the leases, but you may not get an established certificate. What that is, is that's a document that a tenant signs that says everything in the lease is accurate. You know, you have you have what the agreement is. And without that, what happens if you're missing an amendment that the seller and the tenant did that gives them a five-year lease and your whole business plan was to go in there and raise rents and now you can't get this tenant out. So making sure you understand the due diligence process and looking at the leases and stop the certificates, looking at a title report making sure that there are no easements running through the property. There are no specific encumbrances, especially if you were going to um, you know, develop the property or you may add on to it, making sure you understand the aspects of title. Um, and then really just running, you know, getting advice where you need it is probably one of the biggest areas I see. Especially new investors kind of skip over, you know, trying to save costs here and there. And it's an expensive process, but, you'll end up paying for it multiple times over if you wait. And a lot of um, a lot of the advisors, you may not have to pay for it up front. You know, an insurance broker can really help you decide what the right insurance is going to be in your due diligence period and get it before you close, which may be a lender requirement, and they get paid by the insurance company. So getting a good broker in place, making sure your real estate broker really knows the market, So that when you get into the purchase agreement, he's able to assist you or she with any questions that you have. So I'd say getting that team in place, the earlier on the better, um, is going to help you be more successful with that real estate investment.
1: It's better to be proactive rather than reactive. Working with an attorney early on will enable an investor with the right information to make the best decisions. And it can save the investor time, money, and peace of mind
0: the sooner they get involved usually the better because then they can advise you with certain points that you may want to change things to consider so for example if you bring an attorney and after you've signed a purchase agreement they can't help you negotiate any of the provisions they can't warn you about the timing or the notice or a certain representation you may want to have if you bring them in at the purchase agreement it may be too late you may have already negotiated a letter of intent and while well, you can try to change provisions you may not be able to um if that's the process that you go a lot of times when you're buying a building you may go straight to a purchase agreement but other times if it's a bigger asset you may make sure there's a meeting of the minds and just send business points back and forth but an attorney can help you a good one can help you hone in on certain points that you may be missing um and you you know with a, with a good one a good attorney you don't need to have them help you with everything you, know, you can choose and pick what you need assistance with, where are the areas that you're concerned about, and they can help guide you within that process, whether it's in a purchase agreement, whether it's in due diligence, whether it's in part of a syndication. Um, so use you know, whoever your attorney is as a resource and make sure that they have experience in that area because there are many different areas of the law. I wouldn't know the first thing anymore about you know, criminal law or estate planning I focus on real estate and corporate transactions, but, you know, an attorney that focuses on criminal law, he may not be able to help you with your real estate deal because he doesn't understand the intricacies of what you're doing.
1: When he was starting out, Jeffrey didn't intend to wind up in the sector of real estate law he's in now, but his interest in the industry drove him and he's now helping many investors avoid expensive mistakes.
0: No, it wasn't. You know, I I just I just liked real estate. Um, you know, I thought it was a good way to build wealth. And I liked the transactional side of, of law. You're not fighting as much with the other side. You don't have two parties that are fighting over the other, other. you know, you're wrong and I'm right. And one of us is gonna win and one of us is gonna lose. With, you know, corporate transactions and real estate, you know, both parties typically want the same thing. You know, you wanna sell this property and I wanna buy it. We may negotiate over the terms, but ultimately we're working together. And I liked that side of it, which kind of led me to the practice areas I I do. And why I like the law, especially real estate, is I help clients with with different assets. So I'm not just helping syndicators or investors in multifamily. I have a client buying a a retail property One client selling an office building. One client is, um, I'm, I'm looking at a construction contract. So it's a really varied practice within the real estate realm. And I think that's what keeps the day-to-day interesting, a lot of different issues to work through. Um, but ultimately, you know, we help add value and that makes the investor or, or you know, client more successful. Uh, that at the end of the day is, is what I like most about what I do.
1: The type of law Jeffrey learned encompasses all types of real estate. It's important for attorneys you work with to have experience in the particular field of the industry you want help in. Jeffrey has experience working with a wide variety of real estate investors, like apartment syndicators.
0: The law doesn't vary. You may not have experience in it. You know, you may find uh, an attorney that, you know, they really only deal with, you know, office buildings and they do primarily leasing of office buildings or primarily leasing on the tenant side of office buildings. You know, the more and more specialized you get, then you may not be able to assist with other projects. The reason. Now, that I like the kind of the firm that I practice with and in my practice is it's it's more varied across real estate so I can help clients buy an industrial building today and lease a office space tomorrow and I've done syndications across you know, probably every single asset class there is to raise money generally you'll see a lot of the same terms but there are nuances and differences between, you know, buying an industrial building or an apartment building, and some of the due diligence you might do. For example, an environmental review is a lot more important in an industrial building, who may have been working with chemicals and, and hazardous materials, than your run-of-the-mill, you know, duplex apartment building that's in a primarily residential neighborhood. There's being a much less risk of an environmental concern with the latter. So it's, it's those types of things and knowing what you should look for with those various types of real estate.
1: A common mistake investors make is not learning from their mistakes. In Jeffrey's career, the best investors learn from the errors they made on the deal before.
0: I think the biggest lesson, and it's, it sounds like it'd be common sense, but you know, it doesn't always work out that way is you need to learn from your mistakes. And you, everyone's probably heard it before, but. I have many clients, and you know, in one in particular, they'll learn from each deal. So this this didn't work for this one, or I didn't disclose enough about my fees in this deal, or I wasn't on top of the contractor as much as I should have been. But the next time I do it, I'm not going to make that same mistake. I'm going to update my operating agreement. I'm I'm going to you know underpromise my investors so that when I hit it out of the park, they're going to be much more excited than if I tell them we didn't meet that preferred return. And I, I learned that because I, I had a problem with it before. So I'm going to fix it next time. So I think the most successful clients that I have and have worked with are those that aren't afraid to admit this didn't work, or this was a mistake, not maybe a mistake, but I want to do it differently next time because of how this circumstance worked out this time. And you make that change and then the next time it's more successful or it's an easier process or you have a better relationship with your investors.
1: Today, Jeffrey continues to work with his clients and he's helping new investors navigate the space. He's also focusing on growing his own portfolio and increasing his cash flow. You
0: know, from a practical standpoint as a, an attorney in my practice, I think it's right where I love, love it to be. You know, I, I love, working with new clients. So, you know, bringing on more and different, you know, new investors, because that's one of the most exciting things, seeing someone really get their feet wet and start growing. So continuing to work with new investors, you know, that, that makes me happy. But from a you know personal standpoint, it's probably just continuing to grow. You know, we have a kind of five-year plan in terms of buying, buying a certain amount of properties and in each window and then continuing to buy more and expand. So I think just, Keeping to that goal and kind of our feet to the fire so that, you know, eventually when old and retired, I've got a a nice real estate portfolio that lets me not work till I'm, you know, 100 uh, or leave assets to to kids and and grandkids.
1: It doesn't matter how old you are or how deep in your career you are. The best day to start investing in real estate is today, and it's not too late to begin.
0: It's never too late to take the first step and first as we talked about the first your first purchase is, is the hardest but once you start your real estate investing journey you'll never regret it um you know it's it's one of the ultimate ways to we have to build wealth so just don't be afraid to take that first step and there's a lot of great information out there there's podcasts like this one there's there's articles there's people willing to help so
1: talk to people
0: if you're you know, if you're nervous, if you have concerns, but don't don't delay your real estate journey. It's not too late.
1: To learn more about Jeffrey, here's where you can go to reach him.
0: Sure. You can you know reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, just search my name. You can also check our website at giveskidding.com.
1: Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. If you got value from this episode, please do us a favor and give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Make sure to visit our website at www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash monopoly, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you'll never miss a show. If you want to avoid the top five mistakes passive investors make, you can also check out our free ebook by going to www.donisinvestmentgroup.com and downloading it. Be sure to tune in to our next episode. Until then, take care, guys.